Thank you, Jesus. Turn to the book of Psalms, if you would. Psalms chapter 42. Beginning at verse 1, it says, As the hart, or the deer, pants after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Notice verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet... The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto my God, to God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Notice verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Would you pray with me this morning, Father? I thank you for your spirit, your sweet, sweet spirit that is in this place. I realize the awesome task and calling that is in front of me, and I don't take it lightly. I pray, Lord, today that I would speak only the oracles of God, that I would only be the mouthpiece of the Lord. And I pray for every heart here in this room that's watching online that maybe we'll tune in this afternoon or this week sometime as the Spirit directs. Minister to them like only you can through your Word and through your Spirit. We ask these things and we praise you for these things. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Grieving people are among us. Hurting folks 
are in the house today. Oh, you've come with bravery, with a smiling face. Your hands may have been raised a few moments ago. Your mouth open with the songs of Zion on your lips. But inside, you're crushed in your spirit. In this simple psalm, I hope that you will find not only what you can relate to, but a solution that will bring spiritual and emotional healing to you on the Lord's day. You see, there's only one shepherd. His name is Jesus. I am your under-shepherd. I'm his assistant. But over the last several months, and more pointedly over the last several days, I have tried in my prayer time for my church family, I try to imagine how you cope with the trials and the tragedies that I have per- personally witnessed many of you facing. I find myself asking questions like, how can I minister to the disquieted soul that takes medicines to settle their emotional state? Or how do we undergird the mom and the dad of the teen or the child or the young adult who are constantly worried and longing for answers to help them through their crisis with their loved one? What can I say to the single one who longs for companionship or to the widow who longs for each night to be over and for the morning to come due to the impacting loneliness? How do we come alongside of the one who is mourning the loved one who suddenly passed? Or worse, they could not mourn because on the heels of that great loss, Another tragedy sprung up. Another great loss came crashing in. How can we show compassion to the one grieving their broken marriage? They tried and stayed. They stayed and they tried. Or the one trying to move on after that relationship has ended and now has to struggle with trust issues that they didn't have to deal with years back? How can we keep confidence instilled in the one that is unfairly treated in the workplace, just trying to make an honest living? Or the young person or elementary child that is bullied because they are different than others? Most of what I have described today is sitting in this room Most of what I've described today is watching online. And here is truth. God has placed us here to care for one another. We are to bear one another's burdens, the Bible says. And when we do that, we fulfill the law of Christ. We are to lead each other. You see, in Ezekiel chapter 47, the Bible says, Out of the very throne of God, there is a river that flows. And we are to lead each other to that river. When we get to that river, we will find healing for people that are broken. We are to weep with you when you weep. We are to laugh with you when you laugh. We, corporately, 
are to come alongside of you and hold your arms up steady as you fight your battle like Aaron and Hur did for Moses until you come through to victory. Never ever forget this. We cannot touch a world for Jesus Christ until we first learn how to love and care for one another. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, the command is very clear. Do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. That's where it begins, our care one for another. As I was looking through this 42nd Psalm that was uh, written, most believed, by David, I, I read several things that I just want to take a few moments to go through this morning. First, I want you to see in this psalm that he said, My sorrow has become my food. In verse 3, he said, My tears have been my meat day and night. The speculation of the history of this writing of the psalm is that David was on the run from his, from his son Absalom who had stolen the kingdom right out from underneath of him. And so he's at this place that he is so devastated by the betrayal and so devastated by going from king to be on the run fugitive that his heart was, was broken. He said the, the sorrow, he said, my tears have been my meat day and, life, he, uh, day and night. He said the sorrow of my life has become my food. Basically he's saying I'm, I'm feeding off of my anguish. I'm feeding off of my uh, broken heart. And as I, as I thought about that and processed that I, I thought how many when tragedy strikes it literally affects our appetites when tragedy strikes and it's especially if it's unexpected we go from eating healthy to eating unhealthy we go from eating regularly to not eating hardly at all uh, the imbalance that we find ourselves in continues as we are solely focused upon our trials that are at hand or there is to the other extreme. The, the stress levels of the, of the tragedy cause us to eat more than we should or, or a different menu than what we should be bringing into the human body, increasing pressure on the human body than, than what it is all already has been under. And, and the, the fact of the matter is whether we're malnourished or whether we're binge eating, the bottom line is we're feeding upon our sorrow. Sorrow and self-pity. I have watched people first hand as sorrow and self-pity have become their sustenance. They literally fed off of the sorrow of their circumstances and their situation. He goes on and writes, he says, not only is my sorrow my food, but he says, my support is, is fair-weathered. Verse 3, notice he says, they continually say to me, where is your God? And I don't know about you, but I have found that, that when you're in a place, that, that of a very difficult and dark place, and when you're feeding upon the sorrow of your situation, then it's during that time, if you're not careful and you don't guard your mind and your heart, that the enemy will come along with the idea that no one cares for your soul. When you're in that dark place and you're, and you're struggling and, and nobody's picking up the phone and nobody's sending you a text and there's no emails dropping, there's no cards in the mailbox and you're in that dark place because of the tragedy in your life, uh, uh, they, they, then you begin to feel alone. I remember at 51 years old, I'm 55 now, but at 51 years old, there was a six-year period prior from 2011 to 2017 
In that six-year period, it was more unsettling than the prior 45 years of my life altogether. Why? Because loneliness is real. Loneliness can be felt. In another place, the psalmist wrote when he was in a, in, in a, in a terrible, terrible state of mind. He said, no one cares for my soul. When you go through these kinds of times, you feel like the lepers of the New Testament, that no one could get close to you. No one could be close to you and you just wanted to, to just cry out that you were unclean. And, and I just sense in my heart this morning that there are some that are, that are here and you're in pain. And, and maybe you even deal with the haunts and the taunts of, of heathen around you that declare where is your God now that you boast of day and night. Hey, let's be honest. Sometimes in our carnality, even a fellow believer comes along and wants to attach their own self-righteous explanation with their opinions to what you're going through as if you created your own circumstances. What you really need, my brothers and sisters, is the ministry of presence. Can I tell you, we don't focus enough on the ministry of presence. There's times that I need you to come alongside of me and not say a word. There's times that I need to know that you're lifting your brother up. You're lifting your sister up. You may have an estimation. You may have an evaluation. You may have an opinion of what that person is going through. But you better make sure that you're sure that you're sure that it is led of the Lord and it is a word from the Lord before you so quickly share it. On the contrary, sometimes what a person needs when they're going through the darkest time of their life is for someone to come alongside of them and say, I'll sit here as long as you want to talk. I'll stay with you as long. We'll get a second cup of coffee. We'll spend time together. Oh God, help the church to get back to caring for one another with a true ministry of presence. Amen. You see, you can look only to the to the book of Job and you'll find that Bildad and Zophar and Eliphaz, they were friends of Job. They called themselves comforters of Job. And when they first showed up, when they first arrived, they were ministering with the ministry of presence. Did you know you go back and you look at it and it's captured. If you're not careful, you'll skip over it. But for the first seven days when Job had lost everything, he lost his ten children. His wife was saying, curse God and die. He was scraping the boils on his body because his body was so was so uh, diseased. He was sitting on an ash heap. He had lost all of his herd. He had lost all of his cattle. He had lost all of his property. Everything had been taken from him. Here comes the three comforters, the three supposed close friends of Job. And the Bible says for the first seven days they were there, they just sat in his presence and didn't say a word. Can I tell you there was a time I used to look at that and say well why didn't they encourage him? Why didn't they speak a word of admonishment to him? Why didn't they try to lift him up with something? Why didn't they pray for him? I'm telling you sometimes all you gotta do is just show up. Just be there for the person. I'm telling you there are people that are in dark places right now and I'm praying that the Holy Ghost will drop their name into your spirit 
Spirit even this week to come alongside of them and say, I don't have a word of knowledge. I don't have a word of wisdom. I don't have any advice for what you're going through. But I want you to know if I have to sit here multiple days in a row, I am here for you. The ministry of presence. They really blew it after the seven days, though, because after the seven days, they opened their mouth. And for the next several chapters, you go back and read it. The one verse, one verse was the most spiritual verse of their whole existence in that book. And that was when they were quiet. For when they started to talk, they brought condemnation. They brought judgment. They tried to tell Job what he had done wrong and the reason why he was in the situation that he was in. So the psalmist writes about his sorrow being his food. He said, my sorrow is my food. He said, my support is fair weather. Then he goes on to write it and says, my soul is unsettled. Basically, he's come to a place of desperation. I'm not sure I can make it another day. God is hidden. The foes are raging. The fair-weathered friends, true colors are coming out. It's enough to bring down the stoutest of hearts. He said, I pour out my soul into me. This is one of the biggest problems that we have. Verse 4, we pour out of our empty souls into ourselves. Friend, to empty your soul from the soul into the soul is no profitable value. To keep pouring from your misery into yourself brings no comfort to you. And it brings no glory to God. It keeps you on the continuous treadmill of, of anguish. He recalls a time that he marched together with God's people to the throne of the Lord. And he, he, he acknowledged that their, their, the numbers, their company was strength as I ascended Zion's hill. And now he says it all, all seems like a, a distant memory. Did you know it's very possible this morning that someone sitting next to you is wondering if it is worth it to keep going? They sit in spirit-filled services with empty souls continuing to feed upon a sorrow-filled life. We would be stunned at how many and who even may be to the point this morning of despairing of life itself. One of the saddest things I ever read came out about four or five years ago. I opened up. I don't remember where I saw it, but it was true. And I read the story about a pastor on a Sunday morning in North Carolina. And he got his family together. He sent them on to church. They went on to church. And while the church and his family was waiting on him to arrive, he took his own life at home. He ended his life right there, I believe, in the driveway of his home, despairing of life itself. Could it be for some young person or some single adult, some lonely widow, that they are in such despair? They continually wrestle like verse 5. They continually ask the question, why are you cast down and disquieted? Or they exclaim to God, my soul is cast down within me. Listen to your pastor this morning. Listen to the under-shepherd, to the good and the great and the chief shepherd. Let me say to you that are unsettled. 
unsettled and anxious with immense and intense hardship. It's so intense that the billows and waves seem to be rolling over you. Let me tell you, God is not surprised. Oh, I as you wish I knew the ways of God, but his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And the fact of the matter is, God knew the trouble was coming. God allowed the trouble to come. God may have even sent the trouble. But understand, it is measured to you with the strength that you have. And it is measured to you with the grace from God that he, you need to bear it. In other words, he trusts you with it. And hallelujah, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the first from the last. He knows the omega from the alpha. Who would thank Jonah in the sea in a whale's belly would ever preach again? But he did. Who would thank that Nebuchadnezzar banished to the fields to feed on the grass like a cow would one day be restored to his kingship? Who would think that imprisoned Joseph would have his brothers looking to him for help and save God's people and the known world as God took him from the prison to second in command of the nation? Who would thank that Job who scraped his sores with rocks sitting on an ash heap having lost everything, his children dead, his houses burned, his cattle stolen, that he would end his days more blessed than ever before. Let me set the trumpet to my lips and put the megaphone to my mouth and declare boldly, God will bring you out. Hold on, my friend that's in darkness. Hold on, my friend that is hurting. God will bring you through. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. Hallelujah. Brother, you have to talk to yourself. Sister, you have to commune with yourself. You have to ask, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. Wicked men had oppressed the writer. The devil had tempted the writer. People had forsaken the writer. And yet, he chided his own heart and nothing else. David chided David out of the dumps. Why are you so disquieted? Why are you so cast down? Hope thou in God. Sorrow is my food, my support is fair weathered, and my soul is unsettled. But my song will never leave me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 8. Yet, somebody say yet. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I don't know. I'm sure you fall into one of these categories. Shower singer. Choir singer. Nature singer. Praise team singer. 
driving in the car, singer, walking through the house, singer, even though everybody else has left the room because of your singing. Sing to your soul. Do you hear your pastor? Sing to your soul. Sing to your God. Now I'm going to tell you, honky-tonk's not going to lift your spirit. Rock and roll's not going to lift your spirit. Oh, I felt that meddlesome spirit. That's not even in my notes. But songs that glorify God, songs that encourage you, contemporary songs, hymns of the church, classics, you name it. If it glorifies the Lord and encourages your spirit, you got to have your song. The book of Job tells us that those songs were given to you by God. When the song comes to you, it's a gift from the Lord. It's not just your memory. Don't give your memory that much credit. Job said, God gives us songs in the night. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel a shout coming on. The next time that that new song or that classic song comes to your spirit, don't you think it was because of your great memory? You just begin to give God praise because it's at that moment that's what you needed to encourage and to lift you up and to strengthen you. God gives his people songs. In fact, Zephaniah says that God sings over you. What an encouragement. What a blessing. Even in your darkest hours. Hear this preacher. There will never a day come. Never a day come. No day will ever dawn on an air of God's grace that would would find you forsaken of the Lord. There will never... I'm going to read it again. There will never a day come. No day will ever dawn on an heir of God's grace that would find him or her forsaken of the Lord. His loving kindness. That's your floaty. The waters will not overtake you. The flames will not kindle upon you. You may get wet. You may smell like smoke. Affliction may attempt to put out the light of your candle, but it can never take away the song of your hearts. Holy Spirit, plant this in someone's life today. I don't understand. It's happened with some of you. You've recently had tragedy. And just out of nowhere, you're just walking along and God dropped a song in you. You started singing it. And as you started singing it, you felt the holy goosebumps. As you started singing it, tears, scalding hot tears started going down your face. God's singing over you. God's giving you songs in the night. I wish I understood it all. Luther Bridgers began preaching at 17 years old while he was a student at Asbury College. 
at 26 years old, nine years later, it was 1910, he had a young wife and three children. They were visiting his wife's family in Kentucky. And after the family retired for the evening, a neighbor noticed flames coming from the house. Luther Bridger's wife and three children all perished. In the awful and dark days that followed, Luther Bridger's remembered that passage in Job that God gives songs in the night. So he took out his pen and he wrote these words. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, for I am with thee. Peace be still in all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. He pastored 10,000 people in Atlanta, Georgia. He just recently went to glory. But I'll never forget about Paul Walker. It was the largest church of God in the country at the time in the world. It's been many years ago now, but I'll never forget when his son tragically died in an accident. The family was devastated. The church was devastated. Large, massive amount of people. They went through the service, went to the graveside. It wasn't part of the script, but before they left the graveside, Paul Walker said, I feel like we need to sing. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. How does a person do that? The psalmist said, my sorrow is my food. My support is fair weathered. My soul is unsettled. My song will never leave me. And then finally, my salvation is the same. If you don't hear anything else this preacher says, listen to the word of God today. There's a contrast between verse 5 and verse 11 that you need to get. Maybe you've never seen it. Maybe you thought it was just repetitious, but it's not. Verse 5 says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help, help of his countenance. But look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. Here's truth. To many of you that are going through unimaginable difficult times, if you don't hear anything else, take this home with you. Take it. Take it. If you will get the help of his countenance, 
it will impact the health of your countenance. What does that mean? That means we need to do some Skyping with Jesus. It means we need to do some FaceTime with God. We've handled, tried to handle this all on our own. The Lord is saying to you, enough is enough. You cannot carry it on your own. Quit trying to be strong on your own when you can only be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Today, I don't know who this is for. I know there's many of you. (laughs) Many of you that are taking a large portion of my intercession time. And I'm happy to do it. But I believe today God sent me here to tell you that this is the day of your emotional and spiritual healing. I want you to allow this to video to speak to your heart today. Go ahead, guys. You were 43 when you got the news. Life will be changing, nothing we can do. The clock is ticking now All I can think about Is knowing I have to move on Without you somehow And I just can't believe That you're the one who's keeping it together As you hold my hand and say It's okay to cry It's okay to fall apart You don't strong when you are not and it may take some time to make sense of all your thoughts but don't ever fight your tears cause there is freedom in every drop sometimes the only way to heal a broken heart is when we fall apart you ask me to sing some songs that I wrote But I can barely speak Can barely play a note All my tears rushing Falling on my strings That make the sound of these progressions Have a different ring And I hate to say goodbye Knowing this will be the last time we're together As you close your eyes and say It's okay to cry It's okay to fall apart You don't have to try To be strong when you are not And it may take some time To make sense of all your thoughts But don't ever fight your tears Cause there is freedom in every drop Sometimes the only way To heal a broken heart You've 
It's been a while since you've been gone. And sometimes I still catch myself trying to call your phone. All the hopes and dreams we used to talk about, they're still alive in me. And I just hope I make you proud. Now I'm your legacy. And it's your love still holding me together. And I still hear you say, It's okay. When we fall apart, would you close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment? People are grieving their loved ones that have gone on, people are grieving their children that are living. People are grieving that broken marriage or that shattered relationship. People are grieving that loneliness. The list goes on. Is it time once and for all? Is it time to grieve it? and then leave it? You that are at home watching, can I just challenge you to bend your knee at that couch or at that bedside and say, Lord, I need the help of your countenance so it will heal the health of my countenance. You that are in the room, this altar call is open for you to come and grieve in the presence of your Lord to say God I want to see your countenance for if I see you it will bring healing to my countenance who will be the first come and your bones in this altar and say I'm broken 
and I need emotional healing. Come on. Come on. Come on. okay there's others there's others hey I need some ministry of presence this morning some of you women of God I don't think the Holy Spirit wants you to give them a word. I just think they need to know they're not on the journey by themselves. I believe there's others need to move. going through. 